Hey, welcome back to the Doghouse. We're here to talk Mississippi State Bulldog Athletics here on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, David Murray, from the Doghouse, and it's a bounce-back Saturday for Bulldog Athletics. Both the Mississippi State basketball team and the Diamond Dogs rebounded from really frustrating losses on the same day Saturday. Of course, basketball lost midweek at South Carolina, and baseball began their series with Northern Kentucky the wrong way with a one-run defeat. But Saturday, they evened things up. We'll get to basketball in a little bit, but let's turn to the Diamond Dogs who've just completed their 10-to-1 route of visiting Northern Kentucky. Now, after the one-run defeat, 7-to-6 on Friday, a lot of gloom and doom in Bulldog country, as is always. Of course, when Mississippi State baseball loses a game, there's always gloom and doom. That's just the nature of being a program with the magnificent expectations of the Diamond Dogs. And they wouldn't have it any other way. So don't worry about them getting too upset about being complained about a loss. It was interesting on social media to see several former dogs saying, guys, it's a long season. I know Brent Rooker, Tanner Allen, among others. I had a little back and forth, in fact, with Brent about the 2016 season when that team, if you'll recall, maybe you don't want to, uh, lost midweek games to Brigham Young in Eastern Kentucky, and everyone was about to concede that the season was done even before SEC season started. Well, they went on to win that series from Vanderbilt and begin their run to the SEC championship. And, of course, Tanner Allen knows all too well about last year's team when State started out, what was it, 7-4 with a couple of uh, series losses to Tulane and Kent State. I think 21 turned out pretty good in the long run. Now, that in no way diminishes the frustration of defeats to Long Beach State, a good quality team, and a loss to Northern Kentucky, who may turn out to be pretty nice in their league, but certainly should not be beating the Bulldogs. At Mississippi State, a lot of self-inflicted wounds on Friday evening. Um, Yes, they scored seven runs, but most of it was set up early on in the game by some uh, all-but-bunt singles. Some intentional, some not. State didn't handle it well. They made a loser out of Landon Sims for the second time, despite him pitching certainly well enough to win. And Coach Chris Lamonis, after the game, was complaining. Well, okay, complaining is probably a strong word, but I think he had some uh, firm statements in postgame for both his team, the media, and fans. And frankly, he just came out and said it. I challenged him. When the team met after the game, he said, I challenged him that we're not playing tough baseball. We're not playing good baseball. We didn't play good in any phase of the game with the possibility of base running. And by the way, they ran the bases very well again today, so that's consistent. But Lamonis just pointed out that they were giving up mistakes and errors. They weren't making pitches, and they weren't hitting the fastball. Well, today they certainly hit the fastball. Mississippi State slugged three runs out of the park, three balls out of the park, for home runs worth three runs by Brad Cumbus. And that was the big hit of the game because State was already trailing one nothing on a homer by the Norseman. And if you weren't listening to the broadcast, as we had a chance to as well, it's been quite fun for two days listening to uh, Jim Ellis try to explain what the Norse and the Norsemen are to Ron Polk. I'll just leave it at that. It's radio gold, put it that way. <laughs> anyway, um, so they're down one nothing quickly, and they're leaving guys on base. Get to the third inning, and Cumbest, country strong as always, just gets a hold of one, sails out of the park, state leads 4-1, to one, and everything changes from there. Late in the game, two-run homers by Logan Tanner off the end of the bat in his case, which shows the strength he has. And then a really feel-good home run, two runs by Cameron James. State's able to turn it into a blowout at the end. And, and there's a lot of irony in that because Chris Lamona said on Friday night that it looked like every time his team got up there in that game, they were trying to hit a home run to change the game, especially after State fell behind 7-2. to two. So 
he told him, just go up there and hit the fastballs, and we'll get base hits. Well, they went up there, they hit fastballs today, and those balls left the ballpark. You know, go figure. Isn't that the nature of baseball? But like Lamona said, he'll take it. Um, <laughs> it just said it was so amusing there that you're trying just to get those contacts, and you drive the balls out of the yard. So that's a really nice irony there. So you, you enjoy it. You take those. And, and, you know, we talk about hitting the fastball. It sounds so simple, but that's really what State's been struggling with. The, okay, the Long Beach State game, I think they got a little bit scarred, not scared, scarred, by so many breaking balls, especially down at the bottom end of the order. They were biting. They were. You watch the replays of the swings. They were off way over the ball. So I think they overcorrected, and we're looking a little bit more for the breaking stuff this week and laying off the fastballs and getting a few strikeouts or not getting full heart into the swings. That changed today, and State was able to drive those balls. As Lamona said, we got three good swings off, and it changes the game. Boy, do home runs change the game. Oh, by the way, speaking of change, State had a bunt attempt. It, it, it didn't work, but... Lamonis, who's not really known for playing the short game, he showed it late in the game when Strait was trying to pad the lead. Turned out it didn't matter because a base hit followed afterwards anyway. Then came those last two home runs. But it was interesting that um, when Lamonis calls for the short game there, you see he's trying to light a little bit of fire on the offensive team. Well, regardless, we're breathing a little bit easier now this evening in Diamond Dog Country because the Bulldogs are now back to 3-3 three and three and facing the first rubber game of the season. I suppose I could talk about the 21 teams record in rubber games from February all the way through June. In fact, I'd love to because it was a brilliant record and it won a national championship. But that's not fair to this ball club. Uh, they didn't ex go into this weekend expecting to face any rubber game. You expect to sweep a Northern Kentucky team. Well, they're not going to do that. But they have a chance to win a series tomorrow, and that matters. The key to it is getting good pitching first and hitting those fastballs. You don't know what Northern Kentucky really has left in their bullpen at this time. They didn't use much of their release staff. They'll have one more starter to go. You feel good about the chances to hit that pitching tomorrow, but you've got to stay disciplined to plate. You've got to swing on those fastballs, lay off the junk, and be ready to go. As far as State's pitching, well, Preston Johnson, who did a really good job in middle relief last Saturday after Casey Hunt, he got the start in game two, his first start as a Bulldog today. And he was excellent, going seven innings. I think they stretched him a little longer than they originally intended to, something close to 90 pitches, if, as I recall. But they got him out, and it was a cold day, which is usually pretty easy on a pitcher in that regard. So I don't expect any damage there. Did Preston Johnson make a case to stay in the rotation? Well, obviously so. Do you do something else with him? We'll discuss that on Overreaction Monday after we get a full weekend series and what to do with Sims, Johnson, and uh, we'll see Cade Smith pitching tomorrow as well. Where does Casey Hunt fit into this equation and other midweek guys? Uh, that'll be for overreaction Monday. But let's just say State got the two things it needed most today. It got contact hitting on fastballs. It just happened to leave the park. But just getting the hits was what they really wanted. And they got good starting pitching, which they really needed again. Oh, another thing, too. They got better bullpen work today. And, and that's something that Lamonis had been concerned about. He talked about... The, um, in the Friday game especially, said the middle bullpen has got to be better. Not the late bullpen, not the early guys, but the, some of the guys in the middle there did not hold that deficit last night. If they had not given up a couple of runs in the middle innings to Northern Kentucky, State's in a great situation to sweep this series because, as you recall, they came on very strong at the end of the game, taking advantage of some real pitching struggles by the Norse. 
and to make it a 76 game, but they couldn't quite finish the deal because they just dug themselves into a little bit too much of a hole there. Well, today there were no such issues. State was able to run some guys out there and get their get their innings. And here's another thing too. Lamonis was asked about it post game and said that everybody who threw Friday in relief roles are ready to go against Saturday. So State should have a really well-stocked bullpen. You hope you don't need it. You want Cade Smith to walk out there and give another good, solid Game 3 start like he did last week against Long Beach State and really solidify that end of the rotation. Yes, we'll be discussing in coming days should he move up in the rotation, but there's so many ways to look at it that we're going to have fun discussing it, and it'll be a topic going on, I suspect, for the next couple of weeks before SEC season starts, how to set up that rotation. So like I said, for what matters now, they were able to get that win. Oh, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the, one of the bullpen guys in particular, Pico Cohn. I'll, I'll give it to uh, what Lamona said, too. He has a chance to be really good, and he's also got a lot of poise to him out there. Ron Polk is talking post-game about him as well. He expects him to move into the rotation next year, so that's saying quite a bit about this kid coming in. Regardless, to have the bullpen ready for tomorrow, and possibly everybody from Friday, he Lamonis thinks there'll be enough left at the back end to take care of this, and of course they still have to think about a midweek game as well. Now, the batting order. They shuffled again today. You know, the big news last weekend was taking uh, R.J. Yeager after a few struggles and putting him down in the middle of the order and bringing Cameron James up to the top of the order. Well, they began the series with that way again. But as of today, they shook it up again. They took Corder, Matt Corder, who was hitting in the middle of the order, hitting well, and they put him in leadoff over four and replaced late in the game by Braylon Skinner. Ironically enough, Skinner, who went in for defense in center field, was able to leg out an infield single in his only chance. That does not diminish the fact that Matt Corder has the stuff to be a solid leadoff guy. Frankly, though, you think he'd be better somewhere in that middle of the order, more comfortable, because that's a lot to ask for the kid. But do you want James leading off? Do you like him better at second? I, I like him in the two-hole. I'd love him in the three-hole in a lot of ways, but, hey, when Logan Tanner and Luke Hancock are there to swing, I'm perfectly fine with James hitting second in there. And by the way, today, the two, three, and four dog batters each had two base hits, each scored two runs, 12 combined at-bats, and drove in five of the RBI. If you get that production out of that stretch of James, Hancock, and Tanner, you're doing pretty good. So if you can get a guy like Corder hitting well, and I'm just going to throw a name out there. Okay, I'm sure I'm not the only one. But with Drew McGowan stepping in for Kellum Clark late in the game today, they've started Kellum Clark twice again this series because you know the guy's got the ability. He's just plain struggling, hitless coming in today in the season. So he's not getting anything done at the plate despite his ability. I like McGowan in there. Why not give him a shot at the leadoff as well? That's just a crazy idea out there. Or even a Tanner Leggett. Now, that's been kind of a surprise so far of the early season. He's actually leading the team, or was until today, in slugging. Yes, <laughs> four or five, six-game statistics are incredibly misleading because all it takes is one or two shots, and you're distorting the whole lineup. But the fact that Leggett has hit for power, has hit for some average there, they put him back in the lineup today. In fact, here's the twitch. Jaeger was replaced today in the lineup by Tanner Leggett. Now, Leggett hit way down in the order, but and Leggett also took his place at second base. Jaeger transferred from Mercer specifically to hit and to hit high in the order. He's having a little bit of trouble here, so it's gonna. I still think it's going to happen. He was just too good at Mercer, a competitive program, 
not to be able to translate that to Mississippi State level. But at this point, State's got to have some offense out there because you can't afford to give away too many of these February games, especially once you get into SEC season. Yes, again, I still recall the example last year of losing a couple of series games to Kent State, Tulane, and others early in the season, and State more than made up for that in their RPI as the season went on. But you don't want to dig yourself into that situation too early. You don't want to give away these easy wins, especially wins against teams that really are not going to finish up with great records and can hurt you in the RPI in that regard. What State is still doing well are drawing walks, more walks and strikeouts in both games so far. Now, they didn't take enough advantage of the free bases on Friday. They did take more advantage today. If you can do that and start putting more and more pressure on the opposing pitchers like that, you feel you have a better chance, obviously. But anyway, back to the order. You know, Kellum Clark replaced there with my McGowan. Oh, and Slate Alford also got in there to, uh, to bat for In fact, he was put in first in the substitute for Clark, and then McGowan ran for him and stole second base and then stole third base. I just like Drew McGowan. <laughs> That's just me. That's just the sports writer talking. So maybe uh, there's a good reason why not, but we'll, we'll see as this goes on. I just think McGowan is going to find a larger role in the game. I really think Hunter Hines, who DH'd again today, is going to be able to hit. I mean, there's, there's a reason he started out the season in the order like he is. Yes, he's not delivering the numbers right now, but the kid can hit the ball. He's going to be fine. Uh, Jess Davis entered late in the game and ran for him. You know, Lane Forsythe's going to be your number nine guy because you've got to have that glove at shortstop. And, and I'm going to tell you this. We'll say this many times all season. We've said it every year. Even if the middle infielders sometimes are offensive liabilities, they are so important to the pitcher and the catcher's mindset defensively. The pitches that were being thrown are the way Logan Tanner handles that pitches and delivers down to the base in steal attempts. By the way, you know, they've tried to steal on Logan again this series. Bad move. Nobody runs on Lotan. So, as Lamona said today, the, he, he used an interesting phrase. <laughs> you know, we call it that. It, usually coaches will not use this phrase about the games they play before SEC season. He used it today. He called this preseason. Now, if that tells you his mindset there, I totally agree with it. In a lot of ways, this is preseason. Now, the games count. Again, as I mentioned, they count on your RPI. They count towards your record, certainly. You need to win them. But what they're doing right now is they're still trying to figure out some things defensively especially some things in the middle bullpen, but most of all, figure out the batting order. And, and Lamonis was blunt today. He said, I don't have the answer right now. He said he told the team he's going to have see, to see some guys in some spots, not defensive spots so much as offensive spots. Then he said that's what this preseason is for. There, he said the word. He also needs to see a bunch of new guys. He, he knows mostly what the veterans are doing, even if a couple are maybe a little disappointing so far. But he needs to see so many guys, and that's why, despite the weather this weekend, which was cold. Oh, by the way, Lamonis was joking about it today, too. He said, we have a rule. You're not allowed to look cold down there. You can wear what you want. You can be cold, but you're not allowed to look cold. Easy enough for a guy who's spent enough years in Indiana in spring baseball to say that. Some of these Diamond Dogs aren't exactly used to conditions in the 30s and 40s as these two games have been. But uh, let's just say they heated up today in fine fashion. Anyway, they want to look at more guys, and they're going to have to get a chance to do that. And that's why it's so important to play these games regardless of the conditions, sometimes even regardless of the outcome. 
There are some players out there who need to get on the field, get live at bats, have to handle a ball under conditions, have to throw a pitch and try to throw a strike. You need to see that now because all the scrimmages and preseason practices in the world don't match what happens in a live game. You know that, I know that, and most of all, coaches and ball players know it. Regardless, Mississippi State now 3-3 three and three going to Sunday's rubber game. Cade Smith will be out there. You certainly would hope to see uh, Brad Cumbus keep hitting because that, that's a guy, all of us, t- tell me who hasn't wanted him to come out there, just mule, what a great name, mule, to come out there and just start smashing balls. Well, today he hit a shot, he had a double, the guy delivered. If he can do that, then there's no problem working there. Then you can stay, leave him in left field, start quarter and center. If you need to, use Skinner as your defensive guy, and then make the hard decision in right field. Do you stick with Kellum Clark and wait for his ability to come through? Or in the early season, do you go ahead and default to McGowan and let the younger guy have his chances with his speed? You know, it's, it's not an easy decision to make, and that's why – Chris Lamonis and staff are paid to make those decisions. And tomorrow we'll have more evidence, and we'll be discussing Monday the results of the series, hopefully a series victory for the Bulldogs so they can stay over 500, unlike last weekend, and roll into the next weekend as well. All right, that's the Outdoors Report. We talked about a bounce-back Saturday. It was a big bounce-back for Bulldog basketball as well. 74-69 victors over visiting Vanderbilt. So that pushes State back up to break-even in SEC play which is a big at this point, obviously. 70-12 overall, no, they're not going to reach 20 wins in the regular season. We discussed that Friday. The loss to South Carolina is really going to keep hurting. It's going to hurt for a very long time. And it may be looked back as the point that finished Mississippi State's chances of being in the postseason. But not quite. That's the thing. As much as we can talk about coaching changes, as much as we can talk about you know, the season is down to the SEC tournament, things like that. It's, it's all true, but as long as there's the mathematical conceivable chance that something can happen to get State back in the NCAAs, we have to talk about the possibility. So bear with us, even if you're there yelling right now, it ain't going to happen. I tend to agree with you, but we still have to talk about it. And besides, it was an entertaining afternoon in the Humpty Dome. What, a, a dozen leave changes listed for both teams? That's entertaining. And fortunately, the home team had the most fun in the last lead. They went ahead to stay at 12.43 of the last half, and they kept building the margin up to double digits, and then were able to hold off the commies down towards the end of it. Uh, the most glaring differences were the bench points, where State more than doubled the Commodores, 31-14, to 14, and State had six fewer turnovers. You know, the visitors came in planning to shoot a lot from long range, and they did, 29 times, making nine, which is not bad. It wasn't enough for them, though. Mississippi State which whiffed from the arc entirely at South Carolina, they limited themselves. They only took six outside shots, which is wise, and they only hit one by Shaquille Moore. But the Bulldogs attacked the lane, and and this is where the bench points is a little misleading. That's because Tolu Smith did not start. He was late for pregame. The penalty was not starting. Obviously, it wasn't a long penalty because he played 31 minutes in the game. Thank goodness he did. He made eight shots, six free throws, scored 22 points, eight rebounds, and just dominated inside. That was the difference of the ball game. You know, we've said it before, and we'll surely be saying it again for the remainder of the campaign and probably well after it, but the what if of 2022 is a healthy Tolu Smith. Enough said. You know, we'll, we'll discuss it often. 
Now, it was good to see Iverts and Molinar snapping out of what we hopefully was just a short little two-game slump, 20 points total, which keeps his season-long stretch of double-digit scoring for another day. And I'm certain that he was freed by the presence of Smith to do a lot of these because he only took a couple of long-range shots. Everything else he did was inside the arc, attacking the goal, which lately is when he's been his best. And he can... Watching, I'm really beginning to appreciate him more and more. Yes, I've always appreciated his abilities, that he is a really good player, an all-SEC player. But his his decisiveness, his quickness of that step, but more his second and third step when he makes the commitment to do something with it, he really fools a lot of people by being so smooth and yet explosive. I know there's a contradiction in terms, but he just looks so change of pace doing it, he catches defenders off guard and gets in there for those shots. Some of those shots were not dropping lately, and especially late in games because he's been tired. There were no sign of dead legs today, and he brought the Bulldogs back to life. You know, and speaking of bringing to life, Anderson Garcia, that's a guy you like to see succeed, one of those, uh, you know, underrated players that struggle to get their chances. Well, he came off the bench today with energy, which is usual, and looking to score a little bit, which is not usual. And that, then that allowed State to win despite an off day by Garrison Brooks. Um, you could afford that. And by the way, he did hit a couple of key shots in the first half when the game was swinging back to fourth and maybe Vanderbilt said it could have gained some momentum. So sometimes the stat sheet, it doesn't lie, but it misleads. Timing can matter more than the totals. Did I make up a phrase there? Eh, never mind. Games like this are why we simply – can't sit there and say the season is a done deal and get on with the coaching conversation, even though we will as this week goes on. Because the Bulldogs still win games and threaten, repeat, threaten to extend their season somehow, some way. A very hard some way, to be sure. They're still right now in the low 50s in the net, and that's way too low to interest the selection committee, as is their record of 2-8 and eight against quad one teams. The fact remains... Losing at South Carolina stuck State on the edge of a proverbial cliff, and the ground is crumbling under their feet, even with the victory today. Unless they score a true upset over Auburn this week, and boy, would that be an upset. Not impossible, because the Tigers can be vulnerable at times, but still, it's a bad matchup for the Bulldogs. Then go and win at Texas A&M, and State has one road win this whole season. Even then, the Dogs can't reach 20 wins or finish over 500 SEC. They the, both are essentials to get an NCAA glance, um, and in fact, a glance won't be enough. Did I mention the SEC record? Yes, if they win both, sure, ten and eight. But right now, we're expecting obviously Auburn to take care of business, so that leaves State at best nine and nine. And then we'll have to see what the seeding is for the SEC tournament. And ben Highland, you know, I had a chance to ask him Friday morning on his teleconference to kind of follow up in a statement of Wednesday night about we have to win the SEC tournament. You know, when the coach concedes that, you hate to hear the coach say it with a couple of weeks left in the season, but he was being bluntly honest. State now, in his mind, has to win the SEC tournament to get that automatic NCAA tournament bid. Now, he did say, qualifying it, that maybe if they swept these last three games and made it to the finals in Tampa, that would be enough. Well, if they beat Auburn in the NM and win three or four games in Tampa, yeah, that probably will because that will be several quad one wins thrown in there. It will push the net ranking at least into the mid-40s, and they will be in the conversation, which at this point is really all you can hope for. Is that familiar territory for Bulldog basketball? Absolutely. 
the Bulldogs have been in that NCAA conversation for each of the last four years, and now another one, but only once has that conversation turned into a bid and a berth. The odds are still long, but winning today was the, exactly the kind of bounce back Bulldog basketball needed as they get ready to host Auburn, take on Texas A&M, and then see what their seating is in the SEC tournament. We'll be talking more about that. Of course, you can check uh, jeanspage.com where we've, uh, we haven't actually started a hot board per se because uh, we're showing a little bit of restraint, but the topic is definitely out there. What's going to happen? When might it happen? And already starting to look at guys who may or may not be considered as uh, possible replacement coaches at this point. Nobody in position of authority at Mississippi State saying, nor should they, but uh, you know the topic is bubbling all around the surfaces back there. At the same time, Ben Howland, and let's say this for Ben, anybody who dealt with all the pressures of the old Big East media at Pittsburgh and then dealt with L.A. media all those years at UCLA, he is not going to be phased the least bit by a conversation about his job security here. He, that old dog has done this for too long and done it too well and with too much poise and grace to let it rattle him. He's going to get his team ready to play as much as possible. And the win today reminds the Bulldogs are still playing hard and they can play well. That's why we're not going to write the season off just yet. Instead, we're going to watch it and try to enjoy it just as we will try to enjoy Sunday's game with the Diamond Dogs as they take on the Northern Kentucky Norse. Uh, Ron, those are swords on their hats, not banners. Just a little tip. Uh, as they take on the Norse at Game 3, uh, it's uh, 1 o'clock Central Time. Weather may be a little bit better. You hate being cold out there, but uh, that's the nature of February baseball because things will heat up soon enough, both temperature-wise and schedule-wise, as the Diamond Dogs grind on into their 22 season. That's our Bounce Back Saturday talk here on The Doghouse. This is your host, David Murray. Looking forward to talk to you with an overreaction Monday, and hopefully all our overreactions are positive after Sunday's baseball finish. Owen oh, keeping an eye on how the Lady Bulldogs finish up their regular season, and we'll know about their seeding in the, their own SEC tournament as well. Until then, you're in The Doghouse with David Murray here on the Believe Podcast Network. <laughs>